We are just winging it. I'm John Abdullah. And I'm Patrick Green. We're ready to bring you uh, a book report, because that's all. That's what you want to hear on the show, right? The that's why dives. they tune in every week. It's the book reports. Just like, you know, I was in sixth grade. And, and Do you remember when you in school, like, I have memories of this, where you had to, like, you know, you write a book and then... I don't know how this happened, but you, you had, like, a five-minute, like, meeting with your teacher where you had to explain it, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have that? Uh, no. Were you in, like, some sort of a behavioral <laughs> assistance program? You, you would have a personal meeting with your teacher to explain... I remember Miss Packer, eighth grade, I believe it was, and this is how she did it. The rest of the class was, like, doing their thing. I don't know if there's, like, a teacher assistant or something, and each person would go up and have, like, five minutes... And one on like, one with you're the like teacher. sweating right because you never actually read the whole book but you have right. to bs your way into describing it to a teacher who's going to ask you questions and she's got like an interrogation lamp on you at the moment you know <laughs> which is always i mean i get it she wants to prepare you for life right to, she's for, wearing a trench coat for some yeah. reason <laughs> um but that's what i'm gonna do right now you're gonna be miss packer and i'm gonna explain the book to you uh, i can't wait i'm very excited about that i am too i don't think we ever had individualized uh book report sessions it's, but it's we not did a standard have, way yeah do i don't it. think that yeah. was a standard a standard yeah, practice standard. but i did mm-hmm. do many book reports in my time and my book reports were one of two things they were either the best book report in the history of the entire I actually school do i believe you actually in that first or category. they were one that i did literally during the lunch before <laughs> class started on a napkin yeah and then I, and then and it would always start with this it would always be like we could sit here and talk all day about the merriam-webster definition of catch-22 yeah, but that's not what we're here for, ladies and gentlemen. And then I would like dramatically <laughs> close the book because I didn't even actually open it in the first place, and I would just start talking about absolute garbage. But I would do it in a way that was convincing enough to at least make it seem like I might have read the book. Yeah, uh, and that's exactly what podcasting Classic is. I mean, that's green. literally that, that prepared me for this. You know, yeah, yeah. I would say career, but I don't get money for it. So this, this, whatever this shit is that we do. But every other episode, out. you're on fire. And it is the best podcast about parenting that anyone's ever heard or life true. as a parent. And then you have um, episodes like today where I told you, you know, we were talking about, you know, how long we were going to run. And I was like, John, I, I, I have not prepared anything. For, I thought we were talking about cannibalistic children today <laughs> because I misread your text originally. So, like, as I kind of meant it as a joke. But I also was serious. I didn't remember what you the had name no of this idea book what I was, was talking about. Yeah. I, I still, yeah. to be honest with you, We've I spent still don't know. Two episodes at this point referencing it, so I figured yeah. this would be a good episode to actually go deep on it. Um, now that I read the book, which, by the way, was I, I was I was ha- pleased with myself that I read a three hundred page book um, over like a week and a half time frame. Because as a parent nowadays, that just isn't a norm. So, um, my book reading has gotten so shitty. I gotta say, I, I, I'm still like starting as many books as ever, but it, yeah. I'm like not finishing <laughs> the them. Trick, I don't know honestly, what is wrong with me. If you remember, it was on this show a couple years ago. My, my yeah. focus for the, uh, for the new year was actually focus. It was about, mm-hmm. it was, and it was that I only want to read one book at a time. And since then, I do I'm remember not, that. I've never gone back. I mean, it, it honestly is life changing because uh, life changing might be strong. Um, but it means that I actually get through the whole book and then I move on. And it yeah. gives me motivation because I'm always wanting to read another thing, too. Um, and honestly, after during this pandemic, I did read War and Peace. I made it all the way through. And, and now after doing that. It's like, you know, this was ba- a 300 page book is like a magazine article now. That's the table of contents yeah. for War and yeah, Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I do feel good about that. Anything I read now will just be, you know, a quick read. 
you know what I got to say is that I, I so I, I am still reading quite a bit and, and I, I, I do finish books, but it's just it's it's more kind of all over the place than it used to be for whatever reason. But I think yeah. one of the reasons is because of all the freaking podcasting that I do, I always have to do reviews on things. And so I have to read things to do reviews on it. And I find myself in this situation a lot. And I'm not going to say which books because, you know, people who listen to other, other shows will have to guess. You just got them that people send to you to review on their on your podcast, right? Just, I mean, some. trucks come up all day long. They, they, they just have a little siren that goes off. They dump a bunch of books out. I gotta Along go read them. The I'm like, what's this? You get, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, the swag. Uh, and you know, but what what what's happening sometimes is I will start one of those books, which of course will be you know screwing up the book that I was in the middle of just for myself. So I will have to like get this other one read in a couple of weeks, and I'll find myself a few pages into it being like, oh my god, I don't really like this book, but now I like have to fucking read this thing. And then and then because I'm like anal but also lazy, I have to actually read it because I don't want to like pretend like I didn't read it on the show. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it's not fun. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to just sort of read a book for pleasure and finish it again because it's. I feel like that's really taking – it's not really happening anymore. Well, in this episode, you get to just relax and listen to me do all the work for you. I love that idea. I think so, we should do that with other – so, John, so when I have to do a yeah. review for something, I'm going to mm-hmm. just go ahead and be like, you, you can read it. And then just like we'll record it for just winging it session, which would be great. People will love to hear about it. You know, oh, I'm sure. And you can just teach me what happened in it because you've gotten so good at doing this. You know, I'm, that's fine. I'll just and you had individualized instruction. That's true. On book reports. So that is you're well. Th- maybe that's ultimately what led me to this point in my success in life, my wild success. You ever think about um, that? No, I know. I've never thought about that. You should. Do you um. Switching gears. Do you ever have themes in your house? Do you ever feel like there are conversations that come up with your kids? Um, around particular themes for a certain amount of time that just sort of crop up organically. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I feel like our themes might be different from your themes, but, I, but well, we definitely do. A theme right now is death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other day we're eating dinner, yeah. and Luke, you know, we, we were just, I don't even know what we were talking about, and Luke just goes out of nowhere. He goes, when are we going to die? Um, which is fine. Like, I, I've come to expect random questions that are out of seemingly out of nowhere from mm-hmm. kids right that's just like a classic so i don't at this point in my parenting career i don't feel surprised by that or ill-equipped to handle it not that i always answer them in a great way but in this case you know i explain that we don't really know when we're gonna die hopefully it'll be like around 100 years old ish right. um but we you know we don't know and then they got onto the topic of our cat cuz of course they're aware of death with malcolm you know that obviously was a learning moment for them and they still talk about malcolm um our cat who died a, a, a year and a half ago now um and so we're going through it and grace is asking and it's like a good conversation you know it's actually i feel like i'm i'm doing a good parenting thing um and then luke just responds with I wish I could die right now rather than eat this fish. <laughs> so, How bad was this fish, So John? I guess in his mind, well, the thing is, first of all, like, they actually tend to like fish. I mean, it's to be fair, it's like we're talking about, um, you know, haddock or scrod usually that we get, and we put, mm-hmm. like, Ritz cracker crumb, you know, it's fucking covered Ooh, nice. in It's so good with butter. Oh, yeah. Um, so they love it usually, but for whatever reason, he wasn't into it that night. And like an hour later, I'm cleaning up and there's still some fish on the on the stove that we hadn't, you know, chucked yet. And Luke's over there with a spatula just eating it, like, you know, eating whatever's left. So I don't know, man. Was that a I suicide mean, attempt? Because it sounds like he was trying to kill been. himself. That could have been at that point. Yeah, he wanted to get mercury poisoning or something. Yeah. Um, so, so, but anyway, death seems to be a theme. And actually, the other day, Luke 
um, it was the saddest thing. We were, I was, I was eating breakfast and it's like, you know, that, that there's like a half hour window where I get to just eat breakfast and read in the morning and the kids aren't awake yet. And it's wonderful. Um, and it's quiet. And, and all of a sudden I hear his little steps and sniffling, right? Like crying. Mm-hmm. And he was like, his eyes were teary and he, he just goes, mom died. And he had clearly just had a dream. So I, I responded to him and I'm like, mom's not dead. You, I think you were just dreaming. And, and like, he was just very upset. You know, he had like a very real feeling dream. So for whatever reason, like death just seems to be going on in his mind a lot right now. You know, and I quickly brought him over to, to Bethany who was still sleeping and he was um, excited. (laughs) To Bethany who uh, was dead. (laughs) Very weird. I I went to poker a few times. Yeah. yeah, And then she's like, what the fuck? I was trying to sleep. Um, but Anyway, I'm just, I, I don't know where it came from, but it's just interesting how these like themes emerge in, in households. Um, obviously, there's the ones that you you initiate, like I know you do, obviously, with, you know, your extravaganzas with sharks and et cetera. But um, I just, yeah, it's interesting. That is interesting. And it's something that I definitely notice. I, th- I yeah. think a lot of it is informed by the conversations that our kids have with each other when we're mm-hmm. not around. I get that sense sometimes. That's you know? true. They do tend to talk to each other while we're not around, which is always, I always forget that that happens. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, t- and especially as your kids get a little bit older, you'll see, I mean, because Jude and Henry just talk, like they stay up late talking, you know, they oh, have like, yeah. their flashlights on and shit. Which I love, right? It is, it is so cute, it. but also I'm like, you guys need to get more sleep because yes. you are super cranky all the time. Yep. But um, it, there's definitely things that they talk about that I think kind of bubble through and, and death has been one that has come up a few times, you know, uh, on both of their parts and um. It's one that's never easy to talk about because it's something that's hard to talk about as a as a grown up too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. But we try to usually when when that when they start kind of going down a bit of a rabbit hole on that, you know, we talk about how nobody knows anything other hole. than what's in front of us right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> start digging a six foot hole. Um, so you know what we what we can do is just like live this life as full as we can and enjoy as much of it as we're able to, and like that's that's the one thing we can know for sure, and we can we can talk about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which never goes over well, but then we just end up, you know, being like, "Hey, you guys want to get donuts?" And then we're like, "Okay." Yeah, um, yeah. I wonder how much of of Luke's preoccupation with death comes from him like stumbling on your laptop when you were considering how to kill Malcolm a couple years ago. That could be, you know, all the YouTube ads that I see now are just like uh, at home <laughs> kit for putting your animal yeah. down. How plus two plus kill plus cat plus. <laughs> fun question mark <laughs> yeah. yep that could be i didn't connect the dots but that's smart but so I, will, before... I, I do think well just briefly back to the conversation thing i, I something that i've enjoyed a lot and that i continue to enjoy a lot is that there are themes that come out that are more uh a little bit less heavy than that that are you know just about like an interest area of like a game that you know we're playing at the time or of like a show yes. that we're into a lot more and fun i to like talk how about. It's it's a lot more fun to talk about, and I like how it gives us something to anchor a lot of other lessons and conversations yes, around. Right. Yes. So mm-hmm. for a few weeks, if we're, if we're kind of like really immersed in something like Mandalorian or like you know Doom or something, oh yes, totally, we can talk about it a lot, and then we can kind of map other things like whether it's schoolwork, like phonics and math or something, completely, or just little little life lessons, you know, about how to treat each other well. Like usually pieces of entertainment that do well, typically are informed by oh, yes. and talk about those themes, right? And they so, like, cover it, so it's many a good opportunity. There's so many entry points usually yeah. into it. I mean, Hamilton has continued to be that for us, you know, it's yeah. just, it continues to be an obsession, um, which so we or you know, there's plenty you can uh, ride on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you, are you pumped for Into Heights? 
Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. When is it actually mm-hmm. coming out? I have no idea when yeah. anything comes out anymore, John. I guess I'm not that pumped because I don't. I have know. no idea. But things things come out, you know, in 2022 know. now, it's, or they come wild. out on yeah. a movie theater for a week and then they're streaming. And I I have no idea, but it's coming yeah. out at some. Point. It is coming out. So before we jump into our book report today, uh, what else is going on? What how are you doing? Doing doing well. We had Easter, of course, this yes. past weekend, which uh, you're in still our looking angelic from it as a day I later. Am, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, glowing, actually, as our viewers can yep. see when the sun comes in. Um, we, when I joined the call Patrick today, the sun risen. was hitting my white shirt, and I just looked like some like weird, you know, deity. Um, I would say Jesus, but I don't think that's quite what I look like. I think I look more like some like weird minor demon or something, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we, so if you listeners might remember last year, the Easter bunny had a little bit of a psychotic break. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll do a refresher. So last year, uh, and this is of course time where if the kids are in the car, Mike, you got to turn this off. Uh, last year, uh, the Easter bunny had some issues because of COVID and because it was very early on when things were like even more shut down than they are now. Yes. And we couldn't get like into stores to buy things. And it was the week of, you know, and I I was still actually singing last year in public. It was the last time I sang in a normal space because we kept going up until Easter in, in the church that I section lead. So we had masks and we had curtain rods to stand far apart and we had ventilation and everything, but we were still like physically singing for Holy Week, which is right. a big deal. There's a yes. lot of stuff going on during oh, Holy yeah. Week. Oh, yeah. And there's it's nobody prime in the church, time for luckily. y'all church singers. Uh-huh. Exactly. And so so it had been just a really extra hectic week and, and we were behind on getting, you know, candy and stuff for the kids. So the night before Easter, I had to do, I was just like kind of frantically driving around trying to figure out like what the hell we could possibly get from a store that would be open. And the only place that would let me go in was a highway rest stop. So I ended up getting like whatever, whatever I get at the highway rest stop, which ended up being weirdly identical to what like, say a serial killer would buy their victim or something. (laughs) It was like, it was a a stretchy, like a stress toy banana. That's one Mm -hmm. of them. And the other was like a squeaking poop. Um, and then there was a honking pig and a rubber chicken. Those, that's what I was able to find. Yeah. So the Which, kids got to be like, fair. That's not totally out of line for what I would imagine uh, young boys to get for Easter, especially from me. Like it was, you know, right. it, it kind of, kind of on brand. Although they didn't know it was for me. Anyway, so I, and, and Micah had gotten some more traditional things. Luckily, so it, it all came together, and we laughed a lot about it. And you know, we still play with these stupid Easter toys from last year. But it was this sort of joke about like what you know, what are the boys going to get? You know, this year, like, what's the bunny going to do next? Because he's right. fucking wild. Like, he could do anything, right? Like, he's he's losing it. And so a couple months ago, some friends of ours sent us this video that, that they thought, I think especially I would get a kick out of, which was this toy that's a flamingo. Not It's not like an anatomically perfect flamingo. It's like a cartoon flamingo okay. that takes shits. So it's like this thing where you, oh, it, you, you give it sand, and it eats the sand, and it sings this, like, absolutely stupid song. And then it wiggles and it dances and then it like shits it out into a little toilet bowl. And we're like joking about how this was the most disgusting toy that anybody had ever seen. And as that like within three minutes of seeing that, I went on Amazon and I was like, I'm going to fucking buy this from the Easter Bunny this year because it is the most on brand thing. So the that kids is pretty this on year, brand for your household. It is. The kids this year got, you know, like the normal Easter things. I got some candy and they got some other things. And then they got this big shitting flamingo. And the Easter Bunny set up an altar in our kitchen using a flipped over piano bench and some other things. So the kids like, like the bunny's so weird. It was back to a normal Easter um, extravaganza. It was, yeah, typical. It was, uh, it was, it was great. And and you know, I, I like how the mythology of the Easter Bunny is getting increasingly 
bizarre and oh unhinged. Gosh. You know, and our, so our I'm, host. I'm just. I'm laughing at how how drastically different our households are <laughs> around this stuff, right? Because for us, like we dodged it another year where we didn't even just we didn't even mention the idea of the Easter Bunny bringing the presents or or um you know whether it was us because I I don't know. I, there's something that still just feels so weird to me about <laughs> describing some like giant bunny the, dropping well, that's shit the thing. up. Honestly, that's part of why we're embracing the chaos because the yeah, bunny is yeah. so weird. It's like there's know, so many questions. Like, but with Santa, you know, he comes in the chimney, right? With the tooth fairy, like whatever, you know, they fly through the window. Sure, sure. But with the fucking Easter bunny, like, what is this giant walking rabbit doing in our house? How is right. it connected to anything? Like, it's just this this like crazy anthropomorphic <laughs> wildebeest monster that comes in the house, right? So yes. Yeah. So I resolved to just go with it. Whatever the kids thought, like if they were like, "Oh, did the Easter bunny bring this?" I was gonna be like. I don't know. What do you think? You know, like that kind right. of thing. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, we were at um, Bethany's family's house, her, her parents' house, outside having a gathering. And all of a sudden, there there's an Easter bunny, you know, full outfit. I mean, not the real Easter bunny. The actual. It was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Someone in an Easter bunny outfit. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Is there is their town doing like an Easter bunny thing where they come around town? But the bunny was just walking. It wasn't like on a truck or something, which a lot of towns, you know, I've seen do. Um, so I wasn't sure what was going on there. And, and so they start taking pictures with them and everything. And I realized that it's the fa- it's a family member of someone who was there, like one of Bethany's cousins. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, this is cute. And like Luke is just mesmerized, locked in. And Grace is also into it. And they're, you know, they're going up to the Easter bunny and they're giving them candy and stuff. And then, and then I hear the Easter bunny just go like, you want to get a picture? <laughs> and all of the magic just immediately evaporates with this like thick Boston. You know, I appreciate that this woman did this, but she, she just had like a thick. I kids. <laughs> Do you want to pose for a picture? You got a carrot. And then, and, and you can just see the kids like their, 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 uh, their gaze just transformed into this like confused kind of state. Like, what is this? <laughs> Because then there's all these other questions, like, is the Easter Bunny from Boston? Like, well, and then <laughs> after, she walks over to her car, which is, like, steps away. And she, <laughs> she, she just takes off the thing, you know? She's like, ah, oh, And then she takes off the hat, the the uh, helmet. I don't know what to call it. The head. Yeah. The head. She decapitates and, the Easter and, Bunny. And she probably thought all the kids were gone, but Luke continued to just watch her. And oh he was just God. standing there watching her, and he's like, <laughs> he just goes to me like, that's not the real Easter Bunny. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. Um, Good. But I, so I don't know what's going on in his head. Maybe it connects to death. I'm guessing that's what it connects to. <laughs> it probably connects to death. Um, but but it is a funny thing, and uh, we'll see what happens next year. I'm not like opposed to it. I just haven't brought myself to really get fully, you know, on board with the idea of like introducing it as the thing that's leaving them gifts. So, but it's just it's just it's a great opportunity for constructive chaos. And and yeah. and you know me. I mean, Santa this year. Remember, You're all about I, constructive chaos. I got chaos. into a little bit of trouble with Micah because I kind of destroyed our family room to make it. <laughs> but you know, my whole thing was like Santa's like it's COVID. You know, he's got all these protocols to abide by. He's in even more of a hurry than usual. So I had like the soot from the staircase like blown in. It had like logs scattered. Oh and things. my god! <laughs> Micah was like, I think that might have been like the too far point. Your for refrigerator's bunny, emptied out. He ate it all. <laughs> just locked over for the easter bunny i was like what if we have like the door open just like we open it like early in the morning and have like tumble like weeds from the garden like scattered inside you bought some and she was like uh, rabbit shit wrong with you (laughs) yeah have actual live shit Mm -hmm. um so we didn't you know go quite that far you know briefly before we get into our episode we had a an icebreaker this morning on our team call 
the icebreaker question, which our friend Cully, who's been on the show, proposed. He said, you know, one of them was, what's a funny road trip story? And the other one was, tell a story about, like, oh, your weird family member. Like, you know, like your uncle who's kind of crazy. You are the weird family member. (laughs) As it was going on, I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm the weird family member in other people's (laughs) stories. You ever think about that? Maybe you don't because you're probably not the weird one. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the weird one. Yeah. I think I might be the weird family member. Yeah, that's your that's like something you should wear on as a badge of honor. I mean, that's you, man. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. As long as nobody gets hurt, you know. Well, I mean, think about your uncle and how you've, you know, remembered him. That's how family, your whole family, I'm sure, is going to remember you. Yeah. Well, and he die. was my he was my weird family member that I brought up. This That's what morning, I mean. Actually. And you yeah. are. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. What's his name? Like, I'm sorry, I already forgot. Tony, his name. Uncle Tony, Tony, of course. Yeah. yeah. Because there's just all these moments where, like, with the pranks and the Halloween stuff that I mentioned. Oh before. yeah. But also just like his like spontaneous laughter that would scare everybody in the room sometimes. You know, because it was you so to loud. A T. Yeah. I think I'm the weird family member, and I got to say, it is uh, it is an honor. To be that. It should John. be. It's I'm an honor to be I'm honored to one. know a weird family member. Yeah, you should be. Um, yeah. You're welcome to tell stories about me if you want. No, and I appreciate, you know, you always challenge me to, to be a little weirder and, and try some adventurous stuff. So it's a good thing. Good. So, all right. Let's let's dig into uh, the, the meat of the episode. Um, the, we've... we've talked around this a little bit or even we so we read some articles right by i'm, I'm still gonna butcher her name i meant to look it up michael anini michaeline um, michaeline duclef npr reporter um she recently uh put out a book called hunt gather parent what ancient cultures can teach us about the lost art of raising happy healthy little humans and i had read an article about it about how to get your kids more engaged with you um, and participating in household stuff, right? We, we've talked about this, and actually we both of us, I think, tried this out, so I'm sure we'll have some things to share there. Um, but I realized that, you know, there was enough there that I, I wanted to read more and and, um, and learn more about it. So I, I got the book from the library, and I read it, and uh, definitely want to share. Honestly, what for me, I would, first of all, right off the bat, like everyone, any parent listening should just go get the book. We're going to buy it now, too, because it's something I'm definitely going to be referencing a lot. Um, for some some reminders, uh, it was it was transformative, as you've said about even just that initial piece with involving your kids more. Um, the more you talk about this, Sean, the more I'm convinced you're going to call me to the teacher's table for a five minute <laughs> report out. Like, is this becoming a homework assignment? Because I think it is. I'm not ready for that, John. Well, deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, honestly. You know, I haven't read a ton of parenting books, but I've read, you know, some. Um, and it, it really has resonated with me. And um, there's, there's well, I, I'll stop talking it up and just get into some of it. Because uh, nobody's got time to hear me just praise the book without, you know, explaining it. Um, so again, w- what Michaeline did, I'll, I'll say Miss Duclef, because uh, maybe that's right. I'm not sure how I'm pronouncing it. I'm not, cra- I'm not like totally sold on that pronunciation either. To tell me you neither. Truth. Me neither. But let's go with it. It's Duclef. Michaeline. 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 Uh, she brought her three-year-old daughter, Rosie, to some of these, um, you know, cultures that are often studied these days as what was likely somewhat similar to how ancient cultures, um, you know, acted in a variety of ways, right? They're not just studied for parenting. It's many different topics that these people, who must at this point just be annoyed of people coming to visit them and, you know, um, interviewing them all the time. but I'm sure anyway. every every Inuit villager dreams of a day yeah. when a woman named Michaeline will take her little white daughter to go visit them as anthropomorphic specimens of yes. how people used to live. Yeah, I'm I know, sure that goes I know. over great. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and she definitely, she is very aware of this fact, right? And and she does address this up front in the book 
um, you know, trying to avoid the idea of romanticizing these cultures or thinking that they are actually ancient, right? Because, mm -hmm. of course, they're still, they've got many modern amenities just like us um, and, and influenced by, you know, the current age we live in. Um, however, there's, just as a starting point here, it's helpful, I think, to take a step back and think about a lot of the parenting that we do these days and how much of it is, um, as she, you know, talks about in the in the early part of the book, just informed by what we often think or relate to as science, you know, and modern sort of knowledge, but in reality is often like kind of shoddy, like fatty, um, maybe a study that is very small that gets just blows up in the media as a new parenting trend right right within and the blogosphere yeah yeah and you see this come up time and again um and then it's like chasing the next thing in the same way that a diet is right there's different diets that come out and they become all the craze and rage and then often fizzle out um and parenting is similar right so there's a lot of things that we do as western um parents that are not necessarily based on actual science as much as little pieces of science that were blown up into a much bigger thing you know, another great example of this happening on the non-parenting stuff is is how much water you're supposed to drink. Like the guy who did those studies has has since talked about how like way overblown this whole thing is. Like you have to drink eight cups of water, and you don't get you know water from anything else like coffee and all the other stuff. Like it's just not true. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> so with parenting, her 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 thought was, you know, she had already traveled to some of these places before as an NPR reporter, and she saw some things that were that stood out to her as a new parent that she wanted to study more um, because, you know, parenting um, can be a struggle, as we all know, <laughs> hence this show. Uh, and there's a lot we take for granted that, you know, it can be interesting to look at how other cultures um, do it, right? Because the idea is that they're doing it in a way that has evolved over thousands of years and isn't necessarily as directly, um, you know, based on fads that people are chasing. So that's that's sort of the premise of it. And she does take her three-year-old to, in particular, these three different um, cultures. So there's Mayan, Inuit, and Hadzabi um, in Tanzania. And so she travels with her three-year-old Rosie. And I'll just share some of the, you know, what stood out to me. And I want to, I wanna, you know, kind of dig into some of it a little bit more with you as well. Um, I guess I'll... Where to, where to even start? <laughs> One of the things I actually really appreciated is how much it connects to a lot of themes we talk about in this show. So why don't I start there? You should. You know, as Mrs. Packer for this conversation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say you're where doing great. I, uh, thank I think you. you should begin, begin at the beginning. Should I begin at the young, beginning? Young Jonathan. Young Jonathan? Yes. Okay. Yes. One of the things that we fall into in our culture, and it's not just parenting, of course, is uh, control, right? And it's a topic, a theme, actually, I would say that has... Um, has been a theme since the beginning of our show here. Right? That was the Talking original about... subtitle, I think. Absolutely. So the idea of having control and needing to control our kids, right? It's it's a very westernized idea that is not the case in other places. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to control our kids in ways that other cultures are like, you don't control them. Like they're <laughs> they're developing human beings who don't have the capacity to necessarily... Um, you know, do things as adults, right? Have the executive mm -hmm. function and all. So this notion that we can control them or should is is kind of um, baffling to other societies. So she talks about kind of four um, key areas or, or, you know, she has an acronym like all good books, right? <laughs> you have to remember this um, called TEAM and it stands for Togetherness, Encouraging, Autonomy, and Minimal Interference. So I'll just say a little bit about each of these and we can kind of dig into each one of them. But 
um, if you're if you're you know trying to take some takeaways from this um, from my book report right now, that would be one of them. Just to to focus in on those four areas. So first, there's togetherness. Okay, so we've talked about this you and I in our recent episodes on how often as parents where our kids are wanting to be involved in whatever we're doing, washing dishes, cooking, cleaning, whatever. And we're often saying no, like we're, we're saying go play so I can do this. And it's, it's cutting off this like innate desire to help and to be uh, a team. Right. And, um, I, I don't know about you, but I've experimented more with this over the last couple of weeks and just trying to, um, not do that. Even if I know, you know, Grace washing dishes is going to be a pain in the ass. It's going to lead to wasted water. It's going to lead to dishes that probably aren't fully washed. But if they want to do something like that, the idea of saying no and and actually other it, like putting them off into doing their own thing, if it's cultivating this notion that my parents are there to do all that stuff and I'm I, my role is to just have fun, then like fuck that i'm not doing that anymore you know like i i want to actually cultivate that participation so so that was one that she starts off with that you and i have talked about and she sees play out in other cultures that i think is profound and is it should give us pause in how we parent have you noticed anything else and how's how's that experiment going for you in terms of involving your kids in, in some of that meal prep and such it's going well. I think it's reaching a point now where it's a little more uh reasonable right yeah. because I went through a week or two where we were really like involving the kids in a lot of day-to-day things yeah. and they, they weren't like super enthused by the end of it, but also it was eating into a lot of time. The, the issue with, with being, you know, a modern parent, right. And one of the issues is, is time management, obviously. Oh yeah. And you have this Brutal. like hard cutoff of, you know, you have to work and do other things and then you have to like get the kids to bed. And between those moments, you know, you have to do activities together, which often include things like exercise or blah, 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 blah. So like the meal prep time, is something where, you know, so a good example of this is we've been making our own pasta at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's which awesome. Is great, which is really, really great. And it is really hard to involve the kids in that in a way that won't make it take seven hours, right? And that's <laughs> yes. something that I didn't really consider until we were like, you know, getting the eggs into the flour mixture. And I was like, oh, my God, there are so many dishes being like generated by this process right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. and every time something gets like contaminated or mixed up or screwed oh, up like that's I know, more dishes eggs, it's just so much work it's just so much stuff and it's and it's fun but by the time you're actually putting it in the machine like you have an entire kitchen worth of of cleanup to do and you have kids who are covered in eggs and flour and you have like a, a stomach grumbling because it's like eight o'clock and you haven't actually eaten the freaking pasta yet, right? Yep. So, so you know, what we've tried to do since kind of going full ass into this process has been scaling it back to like, you know, doing some reasonable meal prep at other times to be able to yeah. act more quickly when it's time to eat, right? So getting things organized. If we're doing pasta, for example, which we haven't done since that experience that I'm talking about, but like I'll get some of the basic, I'll get the dough made probably ahead of time mm-hmm. for the next one, you know. So the actual like inclusive part is can can move a little bit more quickly without, you know, me being annoying about it. But totally. in general, I would say that we are they're much more inclusive than we, you know, had been throughout much of COVID lately. Mm-hmm. And it has paid dividends. Yeah. I, I similarly, you know, I feel that way and I still always feel the tension that you're talking about in terms of time management and and, you know, what's practical for them to help with and what's like just we need to get done because we were all going to be hungry and cranky and all that. <clears throat> One of the things, though, and this is why I wanted to read the book, right? Because, you know, you read an article about something and again, it's easy to like try to apply it and fall into, you know, some traps that um, are addressed in the book, which is 
there's a part of this around how we organize our time to begin with and how much of our time is uh, organized around child-centered activities, right? So, like, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents. It's not always a bad pressure. Like, it's fun. But, you know, to take them out and do things, to, like, organize play dates, to, you know, make sure that their days are filled with um, fun or valuable experiences. And, And she talks a lot about organizing your days in ways that you want to and involving the kids in that. And that actually becomes a source of uh, maybe entertainment isn't the right word for them for that. Um, but it does become a source of like valuable experiences and things that they often um, enjoy. And it, it just, it made me think a little bit harder about, you know, how much I segment my time so that it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to do my job to like <laughs> have some kid time and, and, you know, put in my day's worth or whatever, which is a terrible way of looking at it, I know. Um, and then I'm going to have maybe some guitar playing time or my own hobbies, you know. And you do shredding, sort of separate shredding, time, shredding, shredding exactly. Shredding time. Yeah. And you often separate them. You know, I often try to involve the kids when I practice uh, music or we've talked about exercising or those things. But, I mean, she goes full on to say, like, she doesn't go to any birthday parties anymore unless she likes the parents and wants to be there. She doesn't do activities unless she genuinely enjoys them herself, right? Going to the zoo or whatever. Like if you enjoy it, great, do it. But if you don't, if you're just doing it because you feel like you've got to do that with your kids, then don't, you know? And I don't, I've never heard this for you because I know that you you genuinely enjoy the things that you involve your kids in, at least from what I hear. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting just to take stock of that and not necessarily segment our time in that way because what it does is it does unlock more time for you to do what you want to do and involve your kids in meaningful ways. And that's the key. It's like, you know, when it comes to cooking or, or the sort of household stuff, it's involving them in a meaningful way, giving them the option to participate, not forcing it, which is another thing we'll talk about, the not forcing piece because it's huge. Um, and, you know, there's that invitation for them. And over time, um, you know, we're, we're starting to model behavior. And one of the takeaways for me is that, like, you know, you want immediate payoff with some of this stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's the novelty of, oh, I get to wash dishes, but you know that's going to wear off, right? They're Once it becomes, like, a thing, they're, they're not going to want to do it. Um, but a, a, a just a really powerful um, theme, or not theme, but I guess idea that came out of this for me is this um, this word that I'm going to butcher in Mexico called uh, acomedido, acomedido. Um, and... So I'll just read this quote, and, and I think it'll better illustrate it than anything Does I would mean say. mean accommodating? Well, that's what you would think. And I'm sure that's part of the word, but I'll, yeah. I'll read this to you. So, all right, here's the quote. This skill of paying attention and then acting is such an important value and goal for children that many families in Mexico have a term for it. It's being accommodido. The idea is complex. It's not just doing a chore or task because someone told you to do it. It's knowing which kind of help is appropriate at a particular moment because you're paying attention. So it's sort of, uh, that's the end of the quote. So it, it wraps this idea of, in my mind at least, my interpretation, it, it's sort of a mindfulness, right? But it's a proactive, being proactive uh, about what you're, you know, paying attention to in a way that I think we all want for our kids, right? We don't want to have to like nag all the time for them to do stuff. Um, we want them to be aware of it and to pitch in as a team, right? I mean, I think that's what we're aiming for. And, and when you... When you looking at her model, so she talks about this idea of, you know, in order to build any skill with our kids, it takes practice um, but on their part. It takes modeling on our part and it takes some some acknowledgement of that um, when it's happening. And if we're constantly 
dividing things up in such a way where they have their toys or things to do and we have our own things, we're automatically modeling behavior that's not, we are a team and we support each other. So even when we think we're doing this right and saying, you know, I, I, we do this, like go, go fold your clothes and we'll focus on cleaning the kitchen. Um, there's still this like division, right? We say, you do that and I'll do this. When in reality, like we, we're all a team and we should all be helping each other. And I, I will say this is hard to do because there are activities that legitimately, like you want them to take care of their own shit, clean up your toys after you use them, right? But I'm, I've been trying to practice a little bit more of like, let's clean it up together, <laughs> even though they made the fucking mess, so they should do it. Um, that's how I feel, but I don't give that away. <laughs> And the idea is if you if you keep modeling that kind of behavior that they'll actually pitch in and do stuff with you too and that that's the way it should work. So, you know, I can't say from experience yet we're there, but um, I'm trying to be a little bit better about not feeling like I have to control you clean that because you made the mess and I clean this because I made the mess and actually um, cultivating more of that team spirit, if you will. It seems like there's a thing going. I, I've noticed a lot of the time when there's a lang- when there's a, a word in another language that means something that we don't really have like a, an equivalent word for. It usually is representative of some sort of a state of mind, right? Yes, yes. Like Schadenfreude. Like that's that's a, an example of like a it's a, it's a state of mind, right? It's like finding delight in like the misfortune of others, yes. literally. But but it, it happens enough that a culture somewhere in the world has said like we should label it as, as oh, something, and that's such a perfect example, right? right? Yeah. Because and, it's one of those things when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, I've definitely felt that, but I've never thought right. of it. Like, it's never, I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. Right. Whereas if it were just a noun, like if it were just like suitcase, like there would already have been a word for it that everybody had kind of adopted. But a lot of the time, you know, I, I feel like with, with words, they, they arise from, you know, not only from meaning, but from from a need to express mm-hmm. something, right? And so this, this accomodido thing, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think it speaks to a mindset that is uh, really hard to capture because it's not just the spirit of like helpfulness or of like of of you know appropriate helpfulness or, or however she was using it there. <laughs> it's the mindset behind what you were talking about there, in a joking throwaway <laughs> way, but which is also real because I, I know that I feel that way all the time too. Which is like you know it's their mess, like they should be cleaning it, but I'm not going to say that because right. I, you know it's okay. I think it's m- like the spirit of acomodido, if I'm interpreting it correctly, is that it's really about switching the mindset till it's your mess versus my mess so that from the very beginning we're thinking of it as like this is our mess you know mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. is like the activities of our family are, are contributing to this messy situation and it's something that like you know we do together as a as a unit as a team and i think that that i what i notice is a lot of the time when things go well with this when we're all kind of pitching in to help it's because there's this real sense of of the spirit of like this is sort of like our this is our shit to deal with. A great example of it actually was this weekend. Um, you know, we're, we're in that phase now where we're trying to prep, you know, our property for the springtime, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I had never ever in my life contributed to for some reason. You know, I, I helped my mom with weeding and things growing up, but I, I never realized like, oh, somebody has to go pick up the sticks that are all over the place from the storms over the winter. Like yeah. somebody does that. And I remember <laughs> asking my dad about it and he was like, yeah, I used to spend like an entire Saturday doing that when you were a kid, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That was a wake up call to me that this is something that's going to be really easy to fly over the heads of these kids. But like we were playing outside anyway. So we decided to sort of tackle this, you know, together from the beginning. And it, I, I and for one thing, the boys did a really, really specifically great job with it. And I noticed that it went best when I was letting them tell me what to do 
too, to a degree, right? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. Because it's not going to waste a lot of time if I just bring the leaf bag over to another part of the yard because that's where Henry's working. Right. Yes. But like but his little bit of agency there is a good way to make it like it's our situation as opposed to my situation or Micah's situation that they're helping us with. Right. And Completely. and that look of like of like kind of leadership and ownership on his face was was really powerful, I think. So I, I can see that being useful to the other point about like hobbies and about spending time together and things. I, this is something I think about a lot. Like I was just specifically thinking about about it this weekend Mm -hmm. where I don't know what's going on with that, but like we have the same interests and I think it's, (laughs) I think it's natural. Like I don't think I'm trying to like enforce my personality or my hobbies on the kids. Cause I, I know a lot of them are things that a lot of things that I'm into are things that are informed by things that they got into as well. And then we all kind of got into it together. Yeah. But, you, but I do you try definitely, to think about that, you know? I feel like you've seeded it in ways that are spot on. Like, in other words, they've seen your how passionate you are about this stuff, and they like it. I'm sure it's partially because you like it, but not in, like, a forced way, right? It's not like you, yeah. you're forcing any of it. It's that, and I can relate to this, right? I mean, I think about the fact that Grace, <laughs> she'll, you know, aside from asking to play Hamilton, when we listen to music, you too is the other one. And I, I never have forced it. Like I'll play stuff and she knows that I love listening to their music. And so she asks about it, but like that I think is exactly what we're talking about here. It's that they see what you're into and like they can, you know, and there are some things that they're not into that I am too, but um, they, they are naturally, I think going to be more inclined because they see the things that are exciting to you and energizing. And it, it at least exposes them it gives them sort of a bias towards that. So, you know, I don't think that's anything that's yeah. negative. Um, and, and I can remember great. being a kid and, and, and doing that. Like, so, so my dad and I both kind of got into NASCAR for no reason at all right, when I was right. like seven and it became like our, our thing, you know, and it was something that we, I, I, I got the sense that he was very into also because after I'd kind of moved on from it, he was still following it and sending me updates and things, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I do remember what that was like, but I am just struck by like how, our, our whole Mike, because Micah too, we all kind of do this. Like we all, as a family, get into these like sort of uh, obsessive streaks around one thing, right? Yeah. Whether and and a lot of them are things that like I'm just specifically into, like comics or you know aliens or sci-fi or video games or. So it's not like a big leap for me to have to get into it. But I do also like I'm trying to pay attention to when the boys bring up things that they want to like explore more and trying to like be supportive of them doing it, you know, without yeah. me too. Right. Right. But it's, it's hard. Cause I, I just always get excited by everything. I know? mean, yeah, that knowing that Venn diagram and your family and how much overlap you have there, I think is, is, is awesome. And I, I think that many experiences, many parents don't necessarily experience it to that extent. You know, from what I can see, I think it often does feel like a chore to play with your kids or, um, you know, to have to feel like your job is partially to entertain them in ways that isn't always entertaining to you. So I think it speaks to that a lot more yeah. than what I've uh, what I've heard you express, which is, you know, um, a lot of energy around things that bring genuinely bring you joy. And I think that's the way we should be handling this because, you know, they they have time for themselves and they can explore the things that interest them. But like we don't have to center our lives around kids in ways that yeah. are probably not actually good for them. Um, and I think that's what this speaks to. Um, the other part of it, which I'm now blanking on, see if I can remember it, <laughs> is is the, okay, so letting go of control, right, is where, where I started with this, okay? Right, and the right. whole team player thing, 
is is all fine and dandy until you actually start trying to put it in practice because when you do need to get out of the house or you do need them to do something and it's not happening, it's incredibly frustrating. And I think we all find ourselves in that situation at one time or another. Um, and there are a couple of things that are really challenging in this book that, you know, I think are worth thinking about, if not embracing. Um, one is that she talks about Inuit culture and, and there's books written about already parenting. And I think one of them is even called, you know, no anger or never get angry or something like that. Um, but there's this, pretty, pretty explicit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. You don't get angry. Um, no, but they, they actually practice this. They teach in their own parenting schooling, right? Like, you know, if, if you were to go to like a parenting class in an Inuit culture, you would learn about never being angry. And I know that sounds like a little, I don't know, shallow, I guess, to think that you would never get angry. Like, you, are you trying to hide it or something? But part of it is is working on yourself right because we let's face it as parents we bring a lot of our own baggage <laughs> into parenting if we have a bad day that's going to put a different spin on how we react to certain things it's, it's fair to say that yeah we're all humans yeah <laughs> so part of it is you know working on your own anger and there i won't get into all that but there's plenty you can do around mindfulness and such and then part of it is also um your how you're handling those situations where you have defiant children um and it talks about how you know if your child you ask them what's two plus two and they say five you're not gonna get angry at them right you're not gonna like you probably won't even be super surprised depending on how old they are you you probably won't be terribly surprised or like be mad at them or upset at them but that's how we get when it comes to emotional intelligence and their Mm. ability to handle their own emotions we often get upset at them right like we either maybe they're crying or whining about something and we often in western culture are taught to believe that they're manipulating us that they're doing this and we need to stop i mean it goes all the way as at a even when they're babies we're told let them cry it out and sleep right and it really challenges some of those ideas that i think we do hold here and that we're expected we put pressure on each other as parents to really you know if you see someone a kid acting misbehaving in a store or whatever whining you there's probably part of you you know many parents that judge that parent if they're not involved in doing something about it and i think we're not doing anyone a service by carrying that um because again it it presupposes that we have a level of control that is just ridiculous and that our kids have a level of executive function that just isn't there so other cultures they just know like yeah of course because they're a kid you know they're they haven't formed that ability to manage emotions and it's our job to model that right so when we get angry and do this thing where we elevate, right? Like they're crying, they're not putting on their shoes to get out of the house, and then we yell at them, and it's just this back and forth. We're basically going to their level um, and missing an opportunity to model the behavior that actually, you know, could help them manage their emotions. All much easier said than done. A lot more in the book you should read about this. But it's it's one that, you know, I really want to work on because I I – feel it resonated with me um and i'll just stop there i want to get your reaction to what i've just said because there was a lot there there was a lot there and um, part of me wonders if we should uh save the the last two pillars of this acronym for maybe our next episode because <laughs> you, you don't all... want you don't want to go for three hours is what you're <laughs> and these are they're all really good points and, yeah. and I, I i'm feeling myself getting this pressure to rush through this a little bit and I kind of want to like why don't why don't want to propose like let's let's spend some more time oh, on, this, on this one and then let's revisit it for our next you know check-in episode and we can kind of close this acronym out because I think this is really good stuff. Um, that being said, so in terms of um, so a part of me wonders how much of this isn't just cultural but it's situational because I mm. I find a lot of the time 
that I think I'm actually specifically pretty good at this point at very gently and lovingly and reassuringly helping them get through things like tantrums and helping them get through being obstinate and sort of trying to redirect energy into something that is more constructive. Like, I, you know, with, with when it was just Jude as the only kid and he was very little and he was, you know, acting out, like I found myself resorting to anger or intimidation more frequently than now, which yeah, is v- mode. very rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Like, and But it does happen sometimes. It happened this morning. When it happens is when there's some sort of like an external factor pressing on on you know this little this little uh, like uh, combustion chamber from the outside. Of yes. And so this morning, for example, uh, we were like trying to get out the door to school. I had let them you know relax for a little bit longer. I had taken a dump, which is never a great thing in the morning because <laughs> it just throws the timetable off. But like it had to happen, so we were just kind of running behind a little bit. You Everyone's know, like, just was smelling work. your shit all morning, so naturally yeah. <laughs> they're all in a bad mood. Yeah, it's also just gross. But, you know, but, but so our timetable was shifted by this 10 minutes that would have made it a little bit less. Yeah, that's all it takes, 10 minutes stressful. to throw everything. That 10 minutes is a big deal when it's just you because, you know, Micah, although she's, you know, helped out quite a bit with getting things ready before she left for the day. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like the sort of that 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 final hour of getting ready was, was just with me. Um, and so, like, so we were already kind of running late. And then on top of that, for some reason, the boys had each, like, just put their shit in the weirdest possible place. And it was missing from like where every other morning are the backpacks are by the back door. All I have to do is get like the, you know, the waters and their snacks and their masks and things. And just, and then we're all good to go. But today, like Jude's Chromebook was just missing, Mm. which has never been the case in the year, year or so that we've been doing this. Like it just wasn't there. And we had no clue where it was. And on top of that, Henry's entire backpack was missing. And oh, we had and, and Henry was like, it could be anywhere. And I was In like, oh my God, it literally could be anywhere because this is Henry and he like crawls into every space and just these crazy <laughs> adventures and shit. So I'm like running around and I have this pressure of Jude needing to get to school on time because like, for one thing, there's the COVID check-in window that's like very oh, specific. Yeah. But for another thing, like, you know, he's mentioned in the past that he doesn't like being the last kid there. And I'm like, that no, I, so I really try hard not to let that happen. So I'm feeling all this pressure from that. And the kids are like just doing what the kids do, which is dawdling, right? They weren't even being bad, but they were just like taking their time with stuff. And I and I was like, I had a moment where I felt like I if I didn't yell, we were not going to make it. Yeah. And I did. I like very scarily yelled. Uh, and I felt horrible about it immediately. And it's, of course, the unfortunate thing is that it worked. And, you know, we got in the car right away and we found the Chromebook and we found the backpack uh, which neither of them were on like anywhere near where I'm they were supposed just to be. Your yell and a lightning bolt striking, you know, it's just this <laughs> moment that like, gets though. everyone, everyone's finally like, oh, I really have to get ready now. Because in this moment, I was like, nobody is in the right like frame oh, yeah. of mind no, to get there, there in time. And I had to do something like scary. And then, you Absolutely. know, so I'll say one, I'll say for one thing, I was happy because, you know, we got in the car and... And the kids were fine. And I was like, I think that they, they sort of understood what was them. going on. <laughs> they were, they survived, but emotionally, like nobody was crying. Nobody was upset. It was just sort of quiet. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I shouldn't have done that. Um, it's not you. It's this. And I said that I said, it wasn't you. It was the situation that we're in. And I'm sorry. I let it get to me. And they were both like completely fine and, mm-hmm. and everything was okay. So I'm glad that they weren't taking it seriously, like taking it personally when I was angry, right? That yeah, they yeah, were able yeah, to yeah. sort of externalize that anger as well. But again, I, you know, as a parent, I'm just disappointed because I kind of fucked that up again. Um, 
I mean, I don't know what I could do because we were running sure. out of time and he doesn't want to be late to school and we can't find any of the stuff we need and we have three minutes to get out the door. You know what I mean? So I think in our culture, in the way that we work in terms of like, you know, we, in a lot of places in the world are, uh, what's the term for it? You're going to know this too, because this is like a term we use at work sometimes. Uh, chromo, poly, polychrom, polychronic. Polychronic, uh, right? I don't actually know what that means. Yeah. So in, in some cultures around the world, um, you know, it's it's understandable if you're running late. Oh, to right, something, right, right, right. Yes. And like I mean, that's a whole other cares, element right? of this control thing, right? That's just crazy. But and we're actually, in a society where there's all of these controlling factors no, put that's, onto us. That's right? right, and that is unique to us, right? I mean, it came out of just our fa- our obsession with clocks, even right, and time and keeping time with the trains industrial and factories, shit, exactly. Yeah. So. It's all there. It, it does speak to this accommodido uh, word that I said earlier, right? The idea that kids, you're, you're putting a lot on yourself there. And yes, I, you know, you could have handled it differently. I, any of us could in that moment. But oftentimes, unfortunately, that's what ends up happening. And it gets the job done. Um, the thing is, like, you you apologize for your behavior. And I, I would do the same. But also, like, that's on them too, right? They actually did something that fed into the situation in the house that they maybe haven't taken accountability for. That sounds dramatic. Um, But I think a point here is that we have to think a little bit harder about how we're playing the long game here and modeling some of that behavior and helping our kids realize that like there are repercussions or consequences when they don't actually get out of the door early. Right. Cause you just, you save the day. And again, I'm in this boat all the time. So this is something I'm trying to challenge myself on where it's like, I, you know, I use this threat and I've never done it where I'm like, you're going to go to school in your pajamas, right? I, and I, <laughs> but like the, at some point, you know, they have to realize Do you really that, say that? What's the tone of voice you say? There are I want totally. to picture this. Oh, so I actually tried it after reading this book, but that's the thing. I did it in a completely calm voice and I'm like, okay. we're leaving at this time and I really don't, I, I'm on your team. I don't, I didn't say this, but I said it in a way that's like, I'm on her team. I want her to be able to go to school on time and not be in her pajamas for school, right? Um, or or a, a better consequence probably is just to let them be late and then suffer that consequence. Because the thing is, if they realize that there are consequences to this stuff, we're not trying to like make that happen, right? To teach them a lesson. It's just that it's a natural consequence to what happens when you're you're not a team player with a family and we're not all getting ready together. And like, we all want to spare that, but if it happens, it happens. And so, you know, I agree that we should... Um, we should have a part two of this because there's a lot to dig into there. But I think one of them is around this idea of like, how do we help show kids, you know, not just commands, right? Because commands are just teaching them, do this, don't do that. And there's no thinking right. behind it. Acomodido is all about thinking, teaching them to think, right? So asking them a question like, why am I mm-hmm. asking you to get ready right now, right? Or what will happen if you don't get ready and we have to leave? Like just having them actually realize oh yeah this is connected to something else and it's not yeah. i don't think it's gonna work overnight i know that there's a lot of stuff there that is just gonna take time but i i'm trying to challenge myself and maybe we can leave ourselves with that thought for this next couple of weeks to work on and, and report back on uh whether it works at all <laughs> well that's it's related to something that's come up a couple of times and that i think i wanted to bring up on our last episode but we ran out of time for but but which is this it's this like really good spreadsheet that i found a long time ago that i can't find again where it talks about like if you're talking to your kids about dangerous situations and all the things that could happen, instead of just telling them, like, help them figure it out, right? Yes. So, so you'd be yes. like, so what What would happen if this broke? Like, 
what happened to you, right? And they exactly. say, like, well, I'll probably hurt my leg. And you say, well, if you hurt your leg, then, like, what would you do, right? And they say, well, I guess I couldn't, I had to stay home, you know, the next day and things. That's and talking it through mm-hmm. with them, right, is good. But the problem, though, <laughs> is, again, the external pressure factors, I know, right? And I know, So, but it's not to say that it won't work. It's to say that it takes all this pre-work, which is hard because there's, like, a lot of other things we're already focusing on in yes. our lives and in our parenting with them, you know? Yes. But I, I think it's worth it because it's about, like, just cultivating this mindset of there are real repercussions and they're not my parents' repercussions. Like, you know, like, a, a lot of issues that I think happen with parenting and with being sort of over-punitive about things is people just learn to, like, fear their parents, not to fear the outcome, right? Right, right. Um, and it's not like fear is ever a good mindset in the first place, but but in, instead of being, in, instead of doing something so that my dad won't yell, right, you, yeah. Like you're saying, you want them to do it so that, like, I'm not embarrassed, so that, like, I don't walk into school with my PJs and look weird, you know? And so if you help them talk it through yes. and you kind of just help cultivate that mindset, it will hopefully lead to fewer instances like that. And, for example, today, you know, the reason why our kids' things were everywhere was really great. It was awesome. Jude had his Chromebook in his room because, like, last night he or the night before, he was looking up instructions for a Lego set that he has, and he wanted to, like, and he, he couldn't find a piece, and he wanted to figure out how it was going to fit. That's awesome, yeah. And Henry's backpack was in my clothes closet because he was using my hamper as like a rocket ship right which is like the it's just the most wonderful imaginative kid things ever and i would never in a billion years want to punish them for acting like children right 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 because like that is that is exactly i mean i love it it's like that's it, you know our our way of life is disrupted by their imagination which is one of the things we talk about in this show all the time as being one of the best parts about having kids is that it throws our patterns off right that's right but it's about how to make a more flexible framework between the patterns of childhood and the randomness of it and the patterns of the sort of quote-unquote adult world that are inflexible and helping them to navigate those things so that they don't act in the future out of fear of a deadline or out of, which is something that we, I struggle with all the time in my adult life is like, you know, I'll put something off for a couple of weeks and I'll be like, oh my God, it's due next week. This, This is just what I have to do now, right? And hopefully like treat it as an environment where like I want to get an earlier start on something because I know that it, will pay off in the end and that'll it'll be a better I mean product, that's it right? it's about trying to cultivate that internal motivation right it's not about yeah. using um, fear and it's not about praise either by the way which she gets into and we can talk about it, it's actually trying to cultivate that motivation that they want to be part of the family they want to be a contributing member they want to they want to be part of their school that you know there's so much about belonging that yeah. comes up and is powerful so so yeah let's uh, let's, yeah, let's touch revisit base again time. in a couple weeks it sounds yeah. good thanks, thanks for chatting and uh, let's let's Go parent, I guess. Let's do it. Hunt, gather, parent. There you go. Bye, everybody.